What is this great conversation you're about to hear? Hello everyone, this is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. I'm an online event planner that supports artists' work from all over the world. They create the product, I help organize and execute a memorable event on social media for their fans, family members, and friends. In addition, I host a feature called Surprise, where online friends and I discuss the impact of an artist or band's work. We try to bring in special guests who have worked with the artists under the microscope to share a few stories. It's a rockin' good time. What do Aztec Camera, the Orchids, and Cocteau Twins all have in common? They come from the great country of Scotland. But did you also know that Trash Can Sinatras, the multi-talented musicians, also hail from this beautiful part of the world? You may be familiar with some of their songs, Only Tongue Can Tell and Hay Fever, which come from the masterful albums Cake and I've Seen Everything. In today's conversation, I sat down with two rabid fans, Keith Bell and Mark Morris, actually co-administrators from their Facebook TCS page. They shared their sentiments regarding the impact of the band's work. We discussed their favorite tracks, lyrics, first falling in love with the band, and much, much more. In addition, a surprise guest makes an appearance. Alison Thompson, a singer herself in the band Heist, shares some dazzling stories of her experiences whilst playing with the band during the I've Seen Everything sessions. She gave us first-hand accounts during those wild and unpredictable times. Oh yeah, not to mention a cool narrative about that iconic lamp. So grab yourself a drink, have a seat, sit back, and enjoy our conversation about an influential band that has been warming our ears and hearts for over 30 years. Trash Can Sinatra's music makes us feel so alive. Hello, everyone. This is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. Today, we have another surprise event. We are shining a spotlight on one of our favorite bands all the way from Scotland. That would be Trash Can Sinatra's. What is a surprise event? A surprise event is where I get together with some friends and we discuss and analyze a band that we love, their music, lyrics, concert experiences, so on and so forth. In addition, we bring in a special guest that has had some experience, some affiliation with the band. So without further ado, we're gonna launch this surprise event with a guest all the way from Ramsgate. <laughs> and and it, Ramsgate, that's correct. Alison Thompson, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Hope everyone's I'm well. Good. See you. Great. So Alison Thompson, do you want to tell us how you are con or how you have been connected and involved with the band somehow, some way? Okay, so um I met the band when I was 15. Um I was part of the Kilmarnock music scene. I was playing in a little band uh, in Kilmarnock and uh, the Trash Can Sinatras came to play uh, in Kilmarnock um, just before they started recording Cake. Um, and yeah, we became friends and kept in contact. Um, uh, and I think um, at the time, um, they were, Frank was working in um, Sirocco Studios as a sound engineer. Um, and uh, my band went and did some recording with Frank, which was great fun. And he 
heard me playing my trumpet. He recorded me playing my trumpet. So he asked, did I want to come and play some trumpet with Trash Can Sinatra's? So we started uh, working out uh, parts for I've Seen Everything quite a few years before it came out. Um, so at this time, how old were you, roughly? Um, 17. Okay. I was 17, yeah. Um, so he um, asked to play trumpet. What was your reaction to that? Oh, I was absolutely delighted. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. And uh, then um, it was just really nice working with them because, um, you know, Frank didn't really uh, write down any music. Um, he would just sing parts to me and I would try to find, you know, try to find notes, what is it he's singing? And uh, uh, Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we, we worked out the part for I've Seen Everything and um, I think we recorded it a few times before we went into the studio and um, I'm trying to remember where the studio was. I think it used to be owned by Van Morrison and we had um, Steve Lillywhite, um, you know, hanging around and uh, uh, yeah. What was, was that, what was that experience like hanging around Steve Lillywhite, who's a very well-known producer? Um. I can't really remember. There was an awful lot of uh, red wine, and uh, I, I just remember the studios being really nice. We had got really well looked after. There was a cook, and I'd never been so well fed in my life. <laughs> um, you know, you know <laughs> three course meals every day, and uh, wine and dark chocolate. So yeah, um, yeah, and um, yeah, the, the actual recording process was 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 fairly quick. Um, um, and then when I was 20, so I think that was, yeah, I think that was when I was 19 or 20, I did that recording. Um, then um, I went to a, a gig with John. Uh, and John and Frank and I were really good friends since, you know, since, since I was for like five years before that. But then uh, John and I started going out and, uh, yeah, kind of fell in love, very much in love. And I eventually moved moved in with, with him into the um into the flat with uh, Frank and Davy and Paul and and John oh, okay. and I. <laughs> so okay, so stop right there. I hear Frank, Davy, Paul, John, you move in with John. Tell us a little bit, you know, with, without getting too personal, but just tell us what was that vibe like? What was that experience like? Um, well, I, I, I had a kind of, I had a full-time job. I've always been, I've always worked as a mental health nurse. So I was getting up and going to work early in the morning when they were coming back from the studio and going to bed. So it was quite, it was quite unusual. And it, it was actually like being, being married or being in a relationship with a, with more than one person because I, I, you know, I very much think they're married to each other. And that was a, a absolutely magical relationship that they, they that, that they had um, yeah when you were in the studio in the recording process of I've seen everything did you have mm. any idea of how special this album was at the time and what it was going to be well I had already heard cake I heard like all, all the early demos I've got lots of the early demos on cassette um, and I already knew they were a really, really special band. Um, everyone else, uh, 
around that time we're playing, you know, kind of like three or four chord songs with, you know, kind of singing songs about teenage angst and the Trash Can Sinatras were doing something just so poetic, just absolutely beautiful. And Frank's voice, just, uh, they were just like no other band around. They were really, really special. So I already knew how special they were. Um, but I never imagined for a second that I've seen everything would, you know, make such a huge impact on so many people. So since being part of the Trash Can community page on Facebook, there has been great discussion about this album and, of course, the book that came out. Yeah. Mm. Um, what is it about that album that resonates with you? Uh, I think for me, it's like being around when the songs were being written as well and kind of like knowing the process and like being, and you know, knowing the experiences from where the, the stories for the songs came from. Is there a story that you would like to share that you can kind of clearly remember? Well, I th think I'm trying, I think um, for me, the album, oh, oh, the songs, the, the stories of the songs, for me, just come together as, as one whole experience. There's not, not like really... One up at no, there are actually some some stories like the perfect reminder. Um, I remember that story, um, and that was when um, Paul was on the on a bus really late at night on his way home on the bus, and and was smoking a spliff, and there was you know when he was high, he noticed this girl and thought she was really beautiful, and you know kind of like you know became you know fell in love with this this girl on the bus, but also with uh, smoking the spliff. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was um, that was that was what that was. And when he presented that song to the others, you know, singing it just you know on his guitar, and I was there when he did that. That was absolutely beautiful, really, really, really beautiful. With well, and I'm going to be very sensitive, respectful, of course. Yeah. While living with John at that time. What did you notice about his work as an artist? How was he evolving? How was he growing? Oh, well, I, I, um, while he was writing the songs, he was very, um, very distant. I think they all were. I think if you're a writer and you're in the middle of doing something, it's like um, you, you can't... Um, it's almost like you're cut off from kind of like normal, normal everyday conversation because there's a process going on all the time. So, you know, I kind of like found found that they were all kind of like very kind of quiet, uh, thinking their thoughts and trying to work things out. But also John was doing a lot of painting and, uh, you know, finding cardboard boxes and oil paints and, you know, kind of they were all over the flat. They were just, you know, paintings all over the flat. Uh, that then became the um, the cover of I've Seen Everything. Um, Speaking of the cover of I've Seen Everything, uh, when we had a conversation about a month, a month and a half ago when I first met yeah. you, yeah. Uh, you had something in your place that has something to do with that album cover. Would you like to share okay. that? I, I will show you this. Okay, okay. I need to just take you to the corner. 
Okay. Okay. Ah, we there. Have the, yeah. we, have, we have the lump. We there. have the lump. So, for people that are not aware of that lamp, do you want to give us a little background to that? Yes, yeah, so that that's the lamp that was in uh, our flat that we all lived together in, um, in Kilmarnock. Um, and I've had that lamp since I had my first flat when I lived in Glasgow, so... Yeah, but it's uh, kind of it's been kind of taken around uh, quite a lot and used on stage a few times as well um, for trash cans and actress gigs. It looks in good condition, but if you look closer, it really is quite shabby. Um, <laughs> Can I ask you a question, Alison? Uh, the, the painting on the album. Sorry. Do you mind if I ask you a question about the flat? Yeah. So the painting, the, the color yeah. scheme, was that the true color scheme of the apartment or the flat, or did John take liberties with that? No, no, that that was the color of the, the flat. We we um, John and I chose this silky green wallpaper. Mm -hmm. uh, we thought it looked really great. So it was like silky green wallpaper and uh, a red sofa and uh, red curtains and, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. I don't think it was to everyone's taste. Also the green carpet. So it was just all green and then bits of red. So it was quite unusual. Mm. And, and the video for Hay Fever that seemed to, I don't know, but yeah. I, knew it, I remember was it shot there. Was that a set they made to look like the apartment? That was a set they made, yeah. Uh, they made an exact replica. And when there was an exhibition in uh, Glasgow once, um, they recreated the, this, the, the, the sitting room. And, uh, yeah, the lamp was there as well. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. Thank you. Mm. You're welcome. So, uh, Keith, our buddy Bell, KB, <laughs> anything but Keith, do you have a question for Alison? Well, that's interesting. I was just looking at the album album cover there. Um, did you work with Ray Shulman as part of the trumpet? Yes, the, yeah. And how was that? Well, I... Found it. I found it really nice and relaxing. I don't know. Oh. I, I think. I think I'm. A, I think I'm a good girl. I think I'm quite respectful of of people, and uh, um, yeah. I, I I was just kind of coming in and doing my bit and then leaving again. So um, yeah, he was a lovely man. He was really lovely. Yeah. But that's all. I can't remember anything else really about it. Um, is there a song on I've Seen Everything or two or three or, or the whole album uh, for many people? But is there a song that really, really, really speaks to your heart, captures everything? Um, I love Orange Fell. Absolutely love Orange Fell. And um, yeah, um, Orange Fell is um, so we, the street we lived on in Kilmarnock. Um, had you know, it was a long street um, with lots of lamp posts, and it, there was a, a an orange glow um, on the street uh, when the you know when it was dark when the street lights were on, um, and that's where you know that's where orange fell originated. Uh, Lucasade uh, lamp post, uh, yeah, yeah. I really love that song. It's beautiful. So. And again, I don't want to get personal in that business, but tell us a little bit, um, a little bit about your relationship with the other bandmates. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as, as I said before, it, it was like they were, you know, it was like they were one person. I know that seems really weird, but at the time, they're not like that anymore. They're all very, very individual, all doing their own thing. Yeah. But at the time, they, they, you know, they lived together, they shared loads of the same mannerisms, they said the same things. It was just really quite unusual. Yeah. What an amazing experience. So when you look back on that experience, uh, obviously a lot of great moments, indelible mm. moments. Uh, in one, two, maybe three words, how would you describe trash can sinatras? Just one of the most beautiful bands in the world. Yeah. <laughs> most beautiful songs in the world. Yeah. Mm. Do you have any other uh, tales to share before um, we proceed with our conversation here? Um, no, but you can come back to me if, uh, you know, but uh, at the minute, no. Okay. Okay. Unless you want, unless you want to ask anything. Uh, well, if, actually, if you want to, this is a moment for you to promote anything. Are you working on some music? You anything? You um, well, no, we we brought it, and my my husband and I. Um, so so when we um, when the trash cans uh, were supposed to sign a new record deal uh, with Independiente, um, we all decided to move to London to sign that record deal. So that was in. Um, 1997, I think. 19, yeah, 1997. And so I got myself a, a job, a mental health nurse job in London, found somewhere to live. Um, but then uh, Independent didn't, didn't sign the trash cans. Um, they signed Travis instead. And, um, yeah, I know, can you believe it? And um, the trash cans didn't move to London. They went bankrupt. They lost their studio. Um, it was really absolutely awful. It was really depressing. They ended up, you know, some of them having to move back home to live with their parents. Some of them living in the studio just until, you know, with like not being able to pay the electricity bill, um, just living in a cold, freezing, freezing cold studio until that got repossessed. Um, and during that time, uh, John was coming down to London and going out busking, so he had money to get back. To Glasgow, um, yeah, absolutely grim times. Um, but yeah, sadly, uh, the kind of distance uh, just just didn't work. The relationship just didn't work. He's very depressed, um, and I kind of uh, I joined another band basically. And um, yep, and yeah, my husband and I uh, we have been you know together what so yeah since since for twenty three years. Um, so, so you know, it wouldn't have, if the trash cans hadn't uh, have you know, if if independent entity hadn't hadn't signed Travis, life would have been a lot different yeah. <laughs> for yeah. everybody. But for me, uh, really, um, it was a, a real blow at the time. Um, yeah. But I, uh, yeah, so I, I've been playing in a band with my my husband, who was also a trash cans fan. And when I went along for my audition, I said, "Oh yeah, play trumpet with trash cans and actress." He's like, "Okay then." <laughs> You're in. <laughs> You're in. No, thank you. On trash can. So I'm going to throw a curveball at Mark Morris because I know he's a big baseball fan. <laughs> so 
Mark Morris, here is your question. I want you to tell us, you are a big Red Sox fan, a Boston Red Sox fan. You're also a big Trash Can Sinatra's fan. How are they alike? Well, we had, excuse me, we had 86 years without a World Series. <laughs> so the, the eight years it took uh, to get uh, weightlifting released. <laughs> If you're a huge fan of the Trash Can Sinatras, yeah. I mean, that's a lifetime for people who are craving new music. At least we got to see the Red Sox play every year, even though they didn't win the World Series. They got to the playoffs, they got close. When you didn't have any new music from the Trash Cans, there was just an <laughs> empty. So that, that would be the similarity, yeah. Damn it. I knew I couldn't get you. <laughs> um, and now I'm going to throw a little bit of a, a zinger maybe to Buddy Bell also co-host, co-administrator on the TCS page. So, Buddy Bell, we just spoke, um, what, a week ago? Yeah. And uh, I'm actually going to start with a question before we dive into the music that you and I discussed. I want to start off with this, and then we'll obviously get Mark's opinion. Okay. We know there's a Trash Can Sinatra's page or um, album coming around the corner. We just don't know when, right? We don't know when that sucker's going to drop. Yeah. So here's my question for you. What do you think this album is going to sound like? This brand new TCS album. I want to start with that. It's a great, it is a great question. We, we kind of touched on it last week. and. I think we may have a differing of opinion and we're probably both way out, probably both way off the mark. But here's here's my thinking. Um, I think the last two singles have been amazing. They're excellent and they've gone in a different direction to what I expected to hear. I don't think the album's going to sound like that. They'll be on it, I guess. But I think that we're going to... I definitely think there's going to be a welcome back type of track. It might not be the first track, but there's going to be a, a blood rush, welcome back, guitar, thrashy, noise, lovely noise track, or two, or three, or four. Uh, and I, I think that the, the band members, Alison touched on this as well, that they're all individual and unique now, and they were all kind of as one June Cake and probably I've seen everything in maybe even getting as far as Happy Pocket. Um, I think their influences individually will come into the fore. And, and let's let's return to John in this one especially. John's now out there on the stage performing his own, and I know that he was really nervous about doing that. And the nerves, I was very lucky enough to see, I think it was his second um, live performance over at the Irvine uh, Arts Centre. Irvine Harbour Art Centre, and um, but he was just amazing. And then I seen him a few months later um, over in Straven, where he was supporting uh, Norman Blake and, and friends, and he'd really found his groove, man. He was so good, like, I just amazing. And the confidence was there. The stories were always there, and he, and he, he tells a lot of stories within Trash Cans Live, but he was telling stories amongst the, the sort of solo stuff. And he took on a prefab sprout song and he made it his own and he's now performed that with 
um, Mark McLuhan from um, Prefab Sprout. He's performed on stage with them. So I think John's got this new, maybe not new, but this confidence has grown from his live stuff and it has to be interjecting into the into the work he's doing with the trash cans. Another thing I think we touched on last week is I, I, I think, and I'll, I'll hopefully he'll come on and either tell me I'm wrong or that I'm right, but I think he'll now be writing John songs, songs that possibly Eddie's going to put onto her uh, albums and then trash can stuff. And I think he'll be thinking trash cans music when he's writing a trash can song, more so maybe the music than the, the lyrics. Then there's the fact that we've had John, uh, Stephen and Davey in a studio on a regular basis. So I think they were booking out a weekly studio. Uh, well, So they were performing live and doing stuff live. Paul and Frank were pitching in via internet. Oh, that's the way it appeared, and that's the way it was explained in, in, in one of John's Patreon interviews that he'd done a while ago. That live in the studio performance, Davey on bass, is just going to be, you know, so creative. So that's going to be bouncing out some really good ideas. So I, Yeah, so that was a long way to answer your question that whilst I, I do love the two singles and there's that kind of electronic move, I think that's just a small slice of the cake, And excuse the pun, and then there's all that other stuff will come in because, you know, we don't get an album, even Cake, where it was kind of more acoustic but we don't get an album of 10 tracks that sound the same we get an album of just completely different songs. They they melt together in a great pot of music, but the not two songs sound the same, and I think we've got that coming to us with some rocky stuff. I agree with that, Keith, because I see uh, I mean, there's always one, and you, you called out several of them, Autumn from Wild Pendulum, right? Um, there's, uh, what are some other ones? One at a time. There's some heavier tracks, and I don't know if you attribute that to Paul. I know if you listen to some of the stuff Paul does sonically by himself, it's oftentimes more heavier. I mean, that's the lead guitar, yeah. lead guitarist. I mean, he's got beautiful, wonderful melody that he, he works and weaves into the songs. But I think he also has that that hotter side to what he likes to do sometimes. Um, so I think you're right about, I think there'll always be a place for that in their albums. And if there's more, hey, more the merrier, because I enjoy it. It's just a, it's yeah. a contrast. I agree. Start with Cake. And I've known you guys for quite a while. But to be very honest with you, I cannot remember when you first and how you fell in love with Cake. So I'm going to start with Mark. Uh, let's retrace our steps, shall we? Give us that first experience with the album. And I want you to tell us, if you don't mind, your favorite track or tracks. Sure. I think I had heard them initially on some alternate radio in Boston or Providence. We had two pretty good radio stations that would bring a lot of the British music. We could hear it over here for the first time. And I've often found that bands that I love from Massachusetts, Buffalo Tom, the Pixies, Dinosaur Jr., a lot of them got bigger over in Europe before they ever got into the United States. And, of course, I found through my travels through England asking everyone I know, do you know the Trashkins and Actors? And I'm amazed that a lot of people don't know them. And they were bigger in the United States than they were initially over in Britain, Great Britain. So that was very surprising to me. But I can see how I've seen it go the other way. I think we're intrigued with what we don't know sometimes because it's not right in front of us. Mm -hmm. uh, so I heard the, the first song I heard was um, not Opportunity Knocks. It was um, 
for a single other time I apologize. I'm, I'm thinking of Hey Fever, but the uh, Holy Tongue Can Tell. And I heard that and I fell in love with it. And I got a bunch of friends to go down to see them at a club in Providence, a really small club. And luckily the next day they were playing at the Hat Shell, which is a famous um, half shell that's on the Charles River in Boston where they have the um, fireworks and the 4th of July Pops concerts. So it used to be nationally broadcast. Pretty special place to play. They played a Saturday afternoon there, free show. And it was wonderful. And, uh, yeah, I just got into them at that point, And then I lost touch. Uh, Cake is my favorite album. It's, you know, sometimes the first one's always your favorite. Uh, my favorite song off Cake is um, You Made Me Feel. And that last line, it just rips my heart out. Last line by Frank. Um, and now I've swallowed my pride. I promise you I couldn't eat another word. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's just, the, I, I, I copy and paste that so many times and send it to people. But, so I lost touch. And luckily... You know, I, I the internet, Joe Di, the, uh, Di Maria, really kept this band in the, the minds of Americans and maybe much of the world. But um, I found, um, but yeah, my favorite song is uh, "You Made Me Feel" and "Cake" is my favorite to this day. Wow! Thank, thank you for sharing us your entryway into the band. All right, Buddy Bell, you're up. Oh my, strapping, yeah. strapping for this one. <laughs> Uh, to, so, to, help with my, to help with my memory and a little bit of self-promotion, um, I created this on my 50th birthday, which was uh, just over five years ago. And this is, uh, it's not an autobiography, but it's a kind of my life with music from birth. Therefore, the first song was The Beatles, was number one. Uh, 31st of December is my birthday. Please remember that, send presents. And um, so what I thought I'd do is actually read some words that I wrote um, about cake and about meeting the trash cans um, or being introduced to the trash cans. So I wrote this probably when I was 49 and a bit, and uh, I'll just read it straight from the book. So it says, as we rolled into the 90s, I had forged a writing relationship with the secretary at Godisks. This was the record label that had brought Billy Bragg to the masses. I'd asked for any other material that I should watch out for, and amongst various great releases were The House Martins and The Captains of Industry, plus this new band from Scotland called The Trash Can Sonatas. It was in this band I found real solace. The first album, Cake, painted such imagery with their very, very clever lyrics. This band, albeit with infrequent releases and large gaps between tours, were and are and will always be my favourite band. Nothing can top them. That's my Captains of Industry album that I bought the same day in a, in a little record store in Carlisle called Pink Panther. And I would love to show you the vinyl version of Cake, but I don't know where I've put it. So there's my CD version, which came along a little later. So, yeah, so that was my introduction was through, um, I'd been swapping notes and letters with Nikki, the Go Discs, and she'd sent a lot of, uh, Billy Bragg was in a punk band called Riff Raff, and nobody could find any singles, but she had a photo, sorry, she didn't, Wiggy had photocopies of the covers of the singles that they'd released. So he kindly sent me copies, I couldn't play them, but I could look at them, <laughs> of the Riff Raff singles before Billy uh, went on to do his amazing solo work. And I was introduced to the band, uh, Trash Can Sonatas. Okay, so now, what is that behind you? Okay. <laughs> so, as well as the book and, and 
so I created this sort of leaflet pamphlet and I handed it out to sort of very close friends and, and my relations. So I had a 50th birthday meal and I told them not to bring me any gifts that I would have gifts for them. So I got them a book each and I don't have any of the CDs with me, but that leads to three CDs, which is now a Spotify playlist, which is the 50 songs from 67 through to 2017. And I treated myself to a T-shirt. I'll turn it around in a minute, but the back of the T-shirt, and that gives you a clue to my favourite song from Cake. Now we raise a toast to celebrate as December's embers fade and every fire is just a hoax for January's little joke. And I take that as my song because my birthday is on the 31st of December. So my December embers are fading on my birthday and then we start drinking on the 31st. I don't know, we stop about the 4th. Uh, and that becomes January's little joke, uh, born in 1967. And uh, another favourite of mine is a guy called Malcolm Middleton. So I stole lyrics from his song, which, uh, and I slightly paraphrased, and it says, I'll never be good at anything, and my stories are pish. His hmm. song is, and my songs are pish. So that was... Uh, that's where that um, that came from. Keith, what's encouraging to me is uh, we've also shared the same lament about the sizing of the trash cans merchandise. So seeing that spirit, when I come see you over in England, maybe I can grab that. So I'll get absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh man! Trash again. Shout out to the trash cans. So a couple three X's, please. <laughs> um, Mark, is there a lyric or two? Um, that really sticks in your mind. I had mentioned the um, you made me feel. Um, yeah, I, I'll I'll be honest. <clears throat> I'm not going to pick a particular. One thing I've noticed, and they've I think the band writing, and I don't know. I wish I could tell more who wrote which lines. I try to figure it out a lot, but I don't know that I'm correct. <laughs> yeah, but they've gotten away a little bit from the wordplay. Uh, they've and they've discussed this becoming more straightforward with their lyrics, um, more obvious, uh, which is good because I mean, that's, that's what they want to do. But I've also found, and I wrote something to John about this and I didn't hear back, but I think they've become more, a little bit more jammy, like more of a jam band. And maybe the, maybe the, um, the lyrics being more, uh, out front and open alludes to them going different ways with music and, and jamming more. Saying less, jamming more. Like when you got that, uh, I, I hung my hop on the willows and um, some of those songs where they just riff at the end. And I, I, I picked them all being in studio, just working out riffs and yeah. figuring out what they want to do. And it just becomes a long jam. And they, I think they like it and they put in the song. And I don't know if I'm correct, but I wonder if that's why you simplify one thing and you make the other parts more, you know, uh, deeper, I suppose, musically. But um, yeah, that's one of my... Uh, insights as far as what they've been doing lyrically lately, I think, at least. But what's so astounding to me about this album is that how it transitions from one song to another. And it just seems like this is their first album. How the hell did they do that so beautifully? Would you agree with that statement? Uh, totally. I, it's it's ahead of its time. It's yeah. so It's so, so clever. And that obviously that's credit to the band, but credit to the production of it as well. It's so clever, and you know I think picking up on the lyrics, I think they've, they've said Mark that 
looking back at the lyrics of the first couple albums, I thought they were trying to be too clever. I couldn't couldn't disagree more. I thought they were amazing. The 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 lyrical play in the songs is just fantastic. And and it's not answer your question, but I'm going to say this because I do play it often, and and it's it's. Do you know you get days where you just music isn't going to happen? You can still put cake on. Hmm. There's not many albums you can do that with. It's just a, it's just a pleasure to to put on and listen to it. And you can, I'm in my office at the minute. I can have it in the background, literally on repeat all day, and it kind of drifts into my mind and then drifts out again. It's just there. I can have it downstairs on the record player at full tilt and really rocking out to it. I can have it in the car and do long journeys. It's just, it's just a, it's an album. Even amongst the trash cans and al- albums, it's one that doesn't matter your mood, doesn't matter the f- the, f- the fettle you're in, as we would say here. It'll just work. It'll just work for you. So yeah, it's a really, it's not even my favorite album, but it's a very special album. Yeah. A question for Allison, because um, she gave some insight into when you talked about that album being ready when they when they played it, how it seamlessly got recorded. Allison, you said though, even when they were still. Cake hadn't come out or had it. He was still years prior having you work on uh, the trumpet solos. So these songs were in the pipeline for a while. When you initially came on, I was going to ask you, when you first saw them, were they strictly original or were they still doing covers? How far in advance had you been um, helping them write songs that got released at later dates? They were strictly original songs, apart from, I think they did um, Stray Cat Strut. Okay. Um, but everything else was original, and uh, yeah, it was uh, just all the songs from Cake. Kind of sharing yeah. this stuff a little bit, um, but I will say my favorite song now is actually "Circling the Circumference," mm. and the reason is because that song for me. I can play it anytime, anywhere, and after it's over, I'm going to hit the repeat button two, three, maybe four or five times. When I saw them perform it live, when they are here in San Francisco, it was that blood rush. I was like, I never thought I would ever see them play that, ever. And I think I could be wrong. I think when Frank was talking and sharing a story about that song, I think he said it was like kind of a, it felt like a college fraternity song. <laughs> uh, maybe it sounds rudimentary. I'm not sure. But it's the song that really, it fires me up. And it just, it, it, it lyrically, I love it. I love the tempo. I love the, the, the swell, the buildup. Obviously the ending. I mean, it's just, it is pure pop perfection. Now, you ask me in a month's time, it could be a different song. <laughs> All right. So let's transition Move into the second album. And um, I've seen everything. So let's start with Keith. I want you to be so brutally honest. If you can remember your initial reaction on hearing the album for the first or second time. Was it, wow, what's going on here? This isn't what I was expected. This is going to take me a while. Or 
was it love at first sight? I, th I think um, I was sold on the band by that stage. So to be honest, they could have released an album of nursery rhymes <laughs> and they would have been the best nursery rhymes I've ever heard. <clears throat> um, so I'm probably the wrong bit person to ask. Now, I can't remember. I've brought this up. I can't remember if they started pumping this out before the album came out. Um, and I was, you know, it's like, um, you know, the kids have the, the Panini um, books for the football players. I don't know if you have American football, but soccer players in, in the UK, and you had to get every sticker. And Swapsy, well, I had to get every disc into this, and they weren't released all at once. So you got the box and the first single, which was Hay Fever, and then you to get the collection after. So I remember that, and I didn't make much money in my paper round. There was weeks where I had to borrow from my parents to pay the papers rather than actually make a wage from it, and because I was a news agent rather than a newspaper boy, even though I was delivering paper. So, so I didn't have a lot of money, but the money would be going on um, hay fever and and stuff like that. Um, so, no, I fell in love with it right away. But then I had to keep revisiting it to decide why and which songs. And there was songs that really, uh, you know, I, I found Blood Rush a bit scary first time I heard it. So that that because that you know that's not that's not the band. And then it was completely the band. Yeah. And what I found with with um, we talked about doesn't matter what mood you're in for cake. What I found with I've seen everything is there was a song on that album for each mood that you had. So you may not play that whole album. You're just in an I've seen everything mood or you're just in a blood rush mood or, or whatever. So there was songs there that would just nail that moment that you were feeling on a, on a Friday night or a Saturday night or whatever. Yeah. Favourite track? Well, that will change tomorrow as well. It's, um. No, the perfect reminder. That it's it's quite it is as simple as that. There's so many good tracks. Um, some some of the some of the lyrics, um, like you kind of knew what Paul was up to there, and I guess that sort of uh, my early twenties. I think by the time this came out, was that right? Um, that would be yeah. That would uh, tie in with my lifestyle at the time. I maybe wasn't on a bus with a spliff, but it it makes sense. So I, I just really liked that lyric. And, and I, I just thought, and I always think Paul's vocals are just beautiful. It's just so fragile that I don't think anybody else could nail that the way he, the way he does. And when I heard him sing it in Runcorn, uh, I'm not ashamed to say the tears were stripping down my, my face because it just, it just fits Paul perfectly. Yeah, gorgeous. So, yeah, um, favourite song, perfect reminder. Mr. Morris, your turn. I fell in love with him initially, immediately too. I was so hooked, like Keith. Um, just so happy to get that album and when it came on. I'm looking at the track list now just to. I think my favorite song on the album, it, it's varied. I think initially, of course, America, we first heard Hay Fever. So that was, I love the piano. It just jumped out at me. Um, I think over the years, though, Work to Miracle is one of my favorites. Um, I love the desperation in Frank's voice. Man, nobody leave this room. Nobody gets out alive, you know. I just think it's, uh, oh, that song builds for a crescendo. Yeah, I really love that. But I'm like Keith. I, I mean, the whole album is so brilliant. Send for Hanny came along to me a little bit later. I started to enjoy it um, a little bit more when I get more into the lyrics. Um, 
you know, come into my house, throw open the windows wide, then back to your house to do likewise. You know, springs eternal, hope springs eternal. Let's, you know, uh, he talks about in other songs. Well, I think in that song, yeah, uh, dust. Well, I'm sorry, weightlifting. Yeah, dust around the uh, empty room, and that's like a uh, part two of him saying, "Get out, open the windows, let the sun shine in, life's bright." Uh, so those lyrics resound to me. Yeah. What would you say, Mark, is the clear distinction, the difference in the production from Cake to I've Seen Everything? Or how did they? How did their sound change to you? I think it just. I I don't know if it's um, musical technology or just their choice of how they want to record things. I think um, I've seen I've seen everything is a little bit crisper, but I I don't necessarily like that more or less. Uh, believe it or not, I had a conversation with Peter Jenner, who actually managed the trash cans for a short period of time. I met him after Billy Bragg uh, gig in uh, Massachusetts. And I didn't know he had managed them. And then um, we started talking. And he had said that one of his initial, um, I wouldn't say complaints, but he said to the band, I'm having a hard time understanding what you're saying on that first album. <laughs> he did say that. He thought it was a little, he thought it was muddled. But I think, like Keith said, sometimes I enjoyed the having to figure it out, especially not having the same accent. I have a Boston accent. You guys got the Scottish accent. And I was like, to me, it was uh, a mystery to listen to the, yeah. First of all, to figure out what they're saying, and then secondly, secondly to see what the heck they meant by what they were saying. So I loved that about it because um, it was a puzzle. And sometimes it would take me six, seven years to figure something out, and I think that's the beauty in it, you know. Yeah, and you realize, oh, that's what Frank said. <laughs> or, or what he, or what he meant is, you get older, you understand things a little bit differently. And yeah, that's always been something I've enjoyed about their lyrics that it, it makes sense now that it didn't make sense then. Yeah. Allison, I have a question for you. Um, in your history with the band and with Frank, uh, particularly in his lyric writing and, and the wit, did you did you spot that immediately? Did you feel and understand that our ears are are listening to something extremely rare? Um, yeah, and I think there's lots of I, I don't know about about you, Keith, but there's lots of like Scottish you know, kind of, you know, it's, it's like a secret language. There's lots of, like, you know, secret Ayrshire language as well. Um, so maybe jokes and, you know, things that would, you know, are not, you, you might misinterpret them or interpret them completely differently. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm just thinking about what's a miracle, and I don't know if you, I don't know if, if anyone has an idea, kind of, like, about some of the lyrics for that and what, you know, where the ideas came from. Anyone? Enlighten us. Well, we went, um, John and Frank and Davey and I, with their girlfriends, went on a murder mystery weekend. <laughs> it was somewhere, I can't remember, it was, it was Loch Lomond or something. Um, and it was brilliant. It was in this really old hotel where there was a murder mystery happening. We were all really keen on playing Cluedo quite a lot. So we thought, we, oh, let's go and, and go to a hotel and do a murder mystery weekend. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, but uh, yeah, a few weeks, a few months later, the, the lyrics started coming out. Uh, you know, nobody leave this room, nobody. Uh, yes. Uh, so it was, it was from that. Also, Frank's a huge fan of Colombo. Yeah. So. I'll always be one of my favourite fans of all time. Can I, was, I just 
chip in and say that, you know, um, it's a shame you never saw them, like, uh, a long time ago. Frank used to be quite wild on stage. He's really, you know, he's really tamed these days. He's very well behaved. But uh, I remember one time, like, being on stage, trying to play my trumpet part, and he was spinning around with a microphone stand. <laughs> um, yeah, he used to be really, really quite wild, swinging the microphone round about, uh, spinning the, you know... I think, you know, at one time ended up with his uh, head inside the bass drum. Um, <laughs> but he really was really rock and roll. Now, you know, he's, you know, he's very, um, you know, he's matured, can I say. Yeah. I, know, I know there's quite a few videos up from the King Tut's gig. I can't remember which year it was. But, yeah, Frank was definitely rocking out then, for sure. He's so enjoyable. So I watch them a lot. When they when they came to San Francisco for this album, I've shared this. So I'll, I'll get I'll move through this really quickly. The um, they played at a very small, amazing venue called Bimbo's, and I just remember the the build up and anticipation was just so thick and palpable. Um, so when they came on, uh, the place was already kind of rocking. They had a pretty strong following here in San, in the Bay Area. And uh, that's when I was like, oh, my God, I know I just watched something dearly, dearly special. We're going to end this uh, part one of our conversation. Oh, sorry, I didn't get to share my, uh, my favorite song here. I'll share it right now. I'm going to read some of the lyrics, and I think you guys and Allison uh, might know the song. So... Uh, Cake Brick Road in summer 1981, we shared a house and garden at the height of the bombing on the run in busy, hazy London. Of course, I'm talking about earlies. So for me, this is my favorite track from the album. And again, it wasn't my favorite track to begin with. It took a while for me to appreciate its tremendous power. And perhaps seeing it live changed that. Lyrically, it paints the image so beautifully, uh, delicately. Uh, John's work with it. It's just an amazing song to actually end the album with. Yeah. And um, every time I hear it, it just kind of... Like many trash can songs, it kind of stops me in the tracks. So that is my favorite song from that album. And I don't think that's going to change. I, th I think the, the closing two work really well as the closing two. So I think the hairy years just drifting into earlies are just um, yeah, nice dream dreamscapes created by the lyrics of both those songs. Yeah. You, you've had, kind of had the punch from some of the earlier tracks. Right. It's a nice way for it to mellow out as you get to the end. And do you know do you know where John was working his early shifts? It was McDonald's, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> was it McDonald's? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then he on the tour uh two tours ago, I think he shared some of that with the audience. And um that's another and we're gonna get into this in our next conversation. Um how much they've opened up. Yeah. How much they're really connecting to people. Not to say that, you know, they never did that. It just seems like 
now with the advent of the internet and all that, they've, they've really learned how to um, be part of the collective experience with their fan base, and it's been wonderful. I think John doing his, his solo gigs as well, and I look forward to when he, he starts sort of covering or, or uh, playing some new John songs, if you like, but he obviously plays mainly Trash Can songs, and, and the gig is a kind of story and then the song, a story, then the song. Yes. And, um, I, you know, I, I've probably heard the song or the story a dozen times, and it's still great to hear because you can feel the emotion or the humour or whatever that is part of that story, and it, and it brings the songs back, back to life again. Uh, we're going to get a final word. Allison, anything else to share before we wrap up part one of our conversation? No, let's leave it for part two. But thank you very much. Nice to nice to hear your stories. Nice to you know be involved. Well, thank you for participating and sharing these authentic stories with thank us. You. Yeah. You're more than welcome to join us in part two. Keith, anything, Buddy Bell, anything you want to share? Yeah, no, yeah. Hopefully you can, Alison, because we're not we're only just getting into I've seen everything and then the music that flowed out of that and followed that. And of course, I can then tell some gig stories because we're getting to the phase of my trash can <laughs> yeah, fanatic that uh, that saw them live, met the band, met the guys, got to chat to them, got friendly with some of them as well. So um, there's a lot more to come in part two, probably in three as well, the way we're going. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for organizing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we'll also have some other special guests as well. So... My name is W, also known William, host of the High Art on the Edge page, here to do another surprise event. Thank you, Allison Thompson. Thank you, Buddy Bell. Thank you to Mark Morris, who had to uh, jettison. Um, and we look forward to talking more about Trash Can Sinatras and the impact they've had on our lives. Take care, everyone, and keep listening to TCS. Ciao.